I'm a flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man Five thirty-seven. The time. Talk radio seven ninety KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Happy Fourth of July to you all. Okay, Rob Marenko, quiz for you here. All right. Is that Lee Greenwood singing or is that Johnny Cash? Singing? Johnny Cash. A or B? Okay. Johnny Cash. Johnny B. Cash. I'll make one promise to you. In the next five hours, you will not hear that Lee Greenwood song. <laughs> it's played to death. So you're the, you're the judge. You're the Alex Trebek or Andy Wang. Did. Did Rob get it right there? Did he? Yes, did he, he did. All That's right, Johnny Cash. Oh. Excellent, excellent. Oh. Good morning, Good guys. Rob Marinko with news. Uh, Randy Wang with sports. Uh, happy Fourth of July, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to spend part of it with you. Uh, I've been I've been listening the last couple of days, by the way, and yeah. we've had some spirited discussions on here. Randy, you were talking about the emotional support animals, and I didn't realize that you were saying that uh, it's just one per customer. You just so far, I can only have one doctor's recommendation for one animal yeah. per seat. And I also have one lap for my animal to sit on. Yeah, because you're saying you had three dogs and there are two of you traveling. And, and two she, of us she's got one, traveling. you've got one. Yeah. but And going up to the counter like that is always uh, fairly embarrassing, but worth it. Because I don't have to pay $150 each way to fly an eight-pound dog. Yeah. And you're, you're not going to see those people again. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I should just revel in it. You know, huh. we should the, wear the bicycle helmet, too. In the past, on this very station, <laughs> we have reported about the fact that a person had a, a comfort monkey, an emotional support monkey, yeah. and the monkey had an emotional support animal in the form of a parrot. See, there huh? you go. I didn't think about my dog needs an emotional exactly. support animal. Exactly. No, this worked. Th these people were allowed to go on there along with the miniature horse lady. Yes. They had to put her in first class oh. because there wasn't room in coach. And next thing you know, they're, they're slipping and sliding oh. up and down the aisle. Oh. When I try to get through security with the whole zoo and I get arrested, Royal, by the way, I'm calling you first. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I expect free I'm, representation. I may give you Gloria's number. So, <laughs> yeah, I think she might have a little bit more we'll give you Terrell's number. Number and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, I think Leo, Leo and I both give out Gloria Allred's number. Yeah. So uh, I had a theory, though. I mean, emotional support animal. You yeah. have to let them on, even if they're rather large. You get fined like fifty thousand bucks. You get sued if you if uh, the airline says no, that's an elephant. The answer is no. You can't even question. You can't exactly. even ask any questions. It that's completely right. violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. I'm not saying uh -huh. I have a disability, but I revel in that act. So. I'm going to show up at LAX next, and I'm going to say to the nice lady who's tap, tap, tapping away, you know, for eight minutes, like yeah. the Ben Stiller movie. <laughs> and I'm going to say, okay, um, I just have a question for you. You know, human beings are animals, right? Yes. And she's going to say, well, yes, human beings are animals. What's your point? And some human beings are pretty good at providing emotional support. Well, yeah, I suppose. What's your point? You know, we've got people waiting. Uh, meet Dr. Freud. He's my psychiatrist. He is my emotional support animal. He's sitting next to me for free, and that's just the way it is. And if, how lucky do you feel, lady? Or would you like to be introduced to Gloria Allred? So that's my approach. I'm well, just, good luck with that. Uh, the, the thing Tell is, me how it works out. Wait, does the therapist have to wear one of those jackets that says service animal? <laughs> well, yes. I, I, we can arrange that. The other approach I was thinking about is next time you got a family reunion going along, and, you know, people, oh, gee, I, can, I can't afford the pr passage to Tuscaloosa. What you do is you show up at the airline and you say, um, so, ma'am, you remember me? You know, we talked about human beings last month and being, you know, psychiatrists or humans. Yes, what do you want now? Well, 
If you read Sybil, it's funny you keep getting that same. Uh, it's bad luck. Person at the what counter. am I going to do? She's cranky. I'm going to say you've read that book, Sybil. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, I enjoyed that book. It's about multiple personalities. Yeah, that's a real thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I believe I've done a little research. Multiple personalities, sixteen personalities. And I said, I'll say. Well, I'm the male Sybil. I have 16 personalities, and each of them needs an emotional support person. <laughs> and so we're going to fill up the first-class cabin with with a, my entire family. I, I have thought this through. Lawyers should not be allowed to fly. I suppose not. So uh, this is this is going to be quite a day. Fourth uh, of July, we're going to get into some Fourth of July themed stuff. Uh, of course, we're going to have Dr. Grossman. He's going to be Debbie Downer from the Burn Center saying, you know, don't blow your hands off. And you don't think about it, but the statistics are ridiculous. I mean, these sparklers, they're like there is there is twelve hundred bright as the space shuttle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, it's not just the sparklers. I live in the valley that sounds like Fallujah around Fourth of July. <laughs> Everyone seems to know where to uh -huh. buy M80s now. I know, I know. And so, the dogs can't stand it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to get, of course, you got to have your, your Trump quota, and he makes it real easy. I mean, they're, yeah, Brad Sherman, he got he got on the impeachment train real early at a rally in downtown yes, LA recently. Yes, Wait, impeach yes. him for what? Well, obstruction of figured, justice. Yeah, they haven't really figured that Brad's out Brad's drafted up some articles yeah. of impeachment focusing on on the obstruction of justice angle. But it's funny you mention that, Randy, because some people now are saying, well, we aren't going to go the traditional impeachment route. We're going to go the 25th Amendment route where if somebody has a mental or physical incapacity, uh -huh. uh, and it's been invoked several times, uh, something about being a president, you got to go up there and take a look at the colon because colonoscopies have put Reagan and Bush uh, out for a few hours, you know, poking around, looking for polyps and so on. And because of the 25th Amendment, technically, while they're under, yeah. you know, with Versed and all the other drugs you get when you get the colonoscopy, not that I would know, uh -huh. then the the VP is the president for a while. So well. people are saying, well, you know, it's like Trump has a 24-7 colonoscopy going. We want him out of there. And that's what they're going to try to invoke. You know what I'm predicting, though, because, I mean, Brad Sherman, Brad's out there on the impeachment front. I've known Brad for a long time. Brad and I were teammates on the UCLA debate team in really? the 1970s. We used to hang out at the UCLA debate union, you know. I won't tell you stories about him. But I will say, I will say that Trump may start going after him. You know how Trump went after Miko with the facelift yep. and so on? Trump might start making Rogaine jokes at Brad Sherman's <laughs> balding Brad. I didn't say that, Randy. Now, if you're going to put that fine a point Low on Low energy, it. balding Brad Sherman. <laughs> the failing Brad Sherman. Whoa. Stick a hashtag in front of that. Oh, my goodness. Low energy and failing. All I said was maybe a little Rogaine might, uh, might you benefit know what, the situation. You know what, If Trump does go under for a colonoscopy, he could be under for a long time because they got to search for them Russians. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think that this is a, an issue that yeah we're going to be thinking about. Uh, people are going to be they're continuing to hammer on the guy. So uh, we're also going to talk about Chris Christie. And uh, <laughs> I did uh, I did hear your joke the other day, Randy, about the beached whale angle, and I thought that was you know that was a cheap shot. People are usually sympathetic about beached whales. Why in the world would he have such a tin ear when it comes to public opinion? Oh, I guess he doesn't that, care that explains why. He, well, somebody said he's got the lowest rating of any governor. Fifteen percent is what I heard. Yeah, can't be that low. Well, I, it's the lowest in the nation, they say, and I guess the kind of guy that will allow his situation to deteriorate is the kind of, like that, to that degree, is the kind of guy who would say, oh, well, the the plebeians, the, the rest of the population, they can't go to the beach, that's okay, my family.
Kelly and I were planning on it, and he looks so good on the beach, too. So uh, that's, that's you know, part of the appeal. He had, if he wasn't such a, a you-know-what about it, he had an opportunity to, to get away with it. Just explain it. It was the governor's residence on the yeah. beach. <laughs> oh, he said right. that. And he said, if you want to stay there, you should run for governor. There you go. But he did, yeah. yeah I'm the governor and you're not. Hey, it's 545 here on Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Uh, when we come back, we're uh, going to be talking to reporter Steve Kastenbaum about the hot dog eating contest on Coney Island. So stay tuned for that. And good morning to Bill Thomas. How are you doing, Bill? Happy 4th. Talk Radio 790K ABC, this 4th of July Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Yes, you can just see the competitors gliding gently toward the finish line. The That's greatest the, competition the of greatest, the year. Absolutely. It's Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. And uh, Steve Kastenbaum in New York City on the scene to help us understand what the heck it's all about. Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. My, my favorite annual event to cover every year, even, even more so than, than the Belmont Stakes and and, and, and uh, more so, so than Super New Bowl, Year's Eve. World Times Series. The, yeah, the hot dog I eating love- contest wins it, huh? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, I've been covering this, geez, I'm 49 now. I've been covering this event uh, for a quarter of a century now. <laughs> really? Yes. It's, it's an enduring news event somehow. So, it uh, is. So Steve Kastenbaum, 33-year-old Joey Jaws Chestnut, is that his legal name or is he, it's just a little moniker he's got? Jaws, uh, he's favored to win. Is that the deal? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's um, changed it legally at this point, but... Uh, just to give the listeners background and history here, uh, you know, this was a spectacle and just a fun thing uh, for a long time. And then then came a guy by the name of Takeru Kobayashi, which everybody loves saying. Kobayashi. Right. And he he's from Japan. Wasn't that Kevin and, Spacey's uh, character in uh, The Usual Suspects? Right. Exactly. And he um, um, he literally turned this into a sport. I mean, he... He came from Japan and and ate twice as many hot dogs as the nearest competitor, and that began the era of this real, true, competitive uh, event where guys started training. And year after year, Americans were completely demoralized from coast to coast because the mustard yellow belt was being taken back to Japan <laughs> the on the Fourth of July. Mustard belt is that that's yeah. not real? Oh, it's. It's one of the most prized possessions in sports. Absolutely. So, so Kobayashi was like the Babe Ruth of hot dog eating, right? Exactly. And, and then came along Joey Chestnut, and he, uh, he kept pace with, uh, with uh, Kobayashi, hot dog for hot dog, bun for bun. And uh, he brought the uh, mustard yellow belt back to the United States on the 4th of July to the chance of USA on the boardwalk at Coney Island. Ever since, it's been amazing. He's won nine times. He holds the uh, the record for the contest: seventy hot dogs and buns in ten minutes. He holds the world record: seventy three and a half hot dogs in, in ten minutes. Wow! Um, well, l- yeah. Let me ask you this: I, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy who goes to NASCAR and roots for a fiery crash. I wouldn't do that. But I right. am the kind of guy who's wondered at these hot dog eating contests. Uh oh. Do you ever see a catastrophic gastrointestinal, shall we say, reversal of fortune? Does that ever <laughs> no, happen? Because I want to see that no. on, on network TV. I want to see it on YouTube. Have you ever seen it, Steve Kastenbaum? 
We have not seen it on uh, on the stage. Uh, so backstage, things are, look like an oil slick, right? Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure. They don't let us back there. But 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 these competitors on stage have shown incredible intestinal fortitude. In this <laughs> How competition. can they do that? I mean, if I did this after four, I'm I'm guessing four, it would not be a pretty picture. I mean, I would well, definitely have an incident. How, how can they? Chestnut, how can they keep it down after fifty or sixty? They literally practice at this. I mean, Joey Chestnut—he's wow. uh, not a, uh, um, um, an out of shape guy. They're all pretty athletic, actually, and they work at this. They, you, they, you expect they literally... them to be linebackers, but you're right. A lot of these guys just look like you know slender, normal, normally configured yeah. people. Yeah, the large men can't keep up because uh, for a number of reasons, uh, aerobically, you have to be able to breathe like a marathon runner, quite literally, while eating this food through wow. your nose. You have to have good good aerobics. Yeah. You, you have to, um, uh, the, if you're a large person, fat constricts the expansion of the stomach muscles, whereas these guys have very little fat, and uh, they um, have literally worked at, you know, like starving themselves and then eating um, uh, immensely in short amounts of so time. So it's a real, it's really, real dang yeah. sport. Hey, let me ask you this. Do Seventh-day Adventists ever pick it and say, you know, we want soy dogs because, you know, we just don't <laughs> believe in eating meat? There are definitely, there are definitely uh, vegetarians and animal rights activists right. nearby who, who are not happy about the competition. Peter party sure. poopers. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I would be a little worried that since it goes out over on international TV, what about some some village in Bangladesh yeah, and they're watching TV, and oh, oh, Wilbur died yesterday of starvation. We got to buck ourselves up. Let's watch some TV, and they're seeing the hot dog eating content. Wouldn't that, you know, does it seem inappropriate in that context? No, what's more inappropriate is a guy named Wilbur in Bangladesh. <laughs> I think that's the inappropriate. I'm part. using a little name license here. All right, I'm, frankly, Rob, I'm well, sorry. I, I'm, I'm I should know common <laughs> Bangladeshi names. But I can't think of a single one. Right. So Wilbur's the one well, that popped into my mind. I was going to say it's the quintessential event for Americans because it combines conspicuous consumption, gluttony, and hot dogs on the 4th of July. <laughs> right. What's more American than that? Oh, I mean, it, it's the best we have. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it, it's just amazing. I mean, when you see the clips on the news and they the deal about dipping the buns into the water. I mean, I guess that yeah. just it, to me, I'm thinking, well, that makes it. Uh, harder because then they're having to put more stuff inside them, the water. But obviously, it breaks down the bun to make the whole thing uh, slide nicely. Is that the deal? It literally, it literally just slides down the gullet. That, that's what the water's for. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve Kastenbaum, this has been very informative. I've learned a lot about this deal. A little I'm, too informative, actually. <laughs> I'm going to be rooting for mm. Joey Jaws Chestnut. Uh, you have a great time there and have a great four. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Take care. All right. Take care. The time here on Talk Radio 790 KABC 554 Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. When we come back, dogs on cocaine. Introduction McIntyre. So Rob Marinko, there's an 81 year old Texas granny named Nancy Strader is in a heap of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, the slowest low speed chase ever. So she's driving along. She's looking for a cup of coffee. Cops stop her because she's going the wrong way on this street. By the way, this is an inside edition story. We're gonna have Jim Murray on later. Maybe, maybe it was a Jim Murray story. We'll mm. ask him. So according to the New York Post, but the gutsy granny didn't give any beans. Now what? Do you know what that means? No. I've never heard of that. that that's a thing, I guess. I mean, she ain't going to pull over for that. I guess so. Okay, so don't do it, one officer yells. Stop the car, ma'am. Stop the car. 
and she takes off, okay? Uh, don't drive off, he called after her. They really speak her language, and she ignores them. <laughs> Uh, she finally stops. They deflate her tires. They shatter her window oh. with a small device on the officer's key ring. Yikes, why not just pistol whip the old gal? You know, snap her, walk her like a toothpick. Sounds like they overreacted. She gets out of the car. She sits down because she has bad knees. She says, I was trying to find a cup of coffee. Why didn't you just open the door when I knocked on the window back there, one of the cops asked. Well, it's my car, my life, my everything, Okay. She's identified. <laughs> the only impression I do is Jonathan Wonder's doing Maude Frick. Pretty much. Okay, yeah. that's the only one. Yeah. So you got you got to do it. At some point, you get to an age, you don't give a crap. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. I'm doing what I want to do. So the cop says, I know, but the way you're driving your car, you're endangering others' lives. He speaks in a strange way. She was taken into custody, never handcuffed because <laughs> of her age. Uh, there's uh -huh. a mugshot that we can see online, I'm sure. She was charged with evading arrest. And her daughter-in-law, Becky, has an explanation. Grandma has heard stories, or her mom's heard stories about people that were not police officers pulling folks over. She was frightened. Mm -hmm. She told us she was afraid they were trying to steal her car. Aha! Uh -huh. That's a get-out-of-jail-free card right there. You know, you can believe Granny's worried about some imposter. I think that was Rodney King's excuse, too. I've heard police imposters. Those 40 guys, they just want to have police costumes on. She, they let her out, and she tells the press, I'm going to go have me some coffee and a sandwich or something because I haven't eaten all day. So, it's a happy ending, you know? I miss Jonathan Winters. I really do. That's a, feel, that, that's a feel good story. <laughs> <laughs> 6.31 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal in for Doug. Rob Marinko has the headlines. 6.57 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. So, Rob Marinko, we're living in this immediate gratification society. Just get whatever you want. Uh... Amazon is teaming up with Whole Foods. It's like, you know, Betty, I got a hankering for some, I don't know, asparagus and chiplets. <laughs> well, let's just go in the, in the station wagon, Bert, and let's go down to the store. No, I got a better idea. Mm -hmm. And the drone shows up with the chiplets. Well, now, pizza is available in four minutes. Hot at your door. No. You heard about this? Yes. Four minutes. There is a company. Rob and I are going to survive another year. No. Silicon Valley startup Zoom Pizza, Z-U-M-E, yeah. a fully automated process of making the pizzas. Robots make the pizza. Two robots named Pepe and Giorgio squirt the pizza sauce onto the dough. Another robot named Marta spreads the sauce. Bruno, a robotic arm, lifts the pizza into the oven. They have a computer program that tells mm -hmm. you what kind of pizza you, Rob, are likely to want. What kind of topping? Is it Speedo that gets it to you? No, it's they've got ovens in trucks that are trolling around the neighborhood. Wow. In Rob Marinko's neighborhood, they are anticipating your call so that when you call... Uh -huh. Four minutes is the estimate of, of some of the delivery time. So it's going to be yummy. Do you have the phone number? Uh, no, I've, I've just got uh, Zoom, Z-U-M-E. So just go online. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a startup. They can make 372 pizzas an hour. So I should about cover it. <laughs> so who needs a who needs a drone from Amazon? The delivery trucks bake the pizzas en route. Uh, they can predict which pizzas are popular in certain neighborhoods. They're preloaded. <laughs> they're ready to serve. Uh, they're now adding scooters to their delivery fleet. Mm -hmm. They're going to use the baking trucks as a hub. 
is so if you order a basic pepperoni pizza, the truck is circling your neighborhood. It's going to be at your door in about four minutes. You know, this isn't crazy at all. No, but I think my mafia friend is going to stop robbing trucks with cigarettes. <laughs> Rob the pizza truck. <laughs> Absolutely. The, uh, the market for this new kind of delivery is reaching $23 billion in the next couple of years. So, yeah, you're not going to have to even leave You know what will put them out of business if, if gasoline prices rise? That's true. That's true. Well, we'll have to have a, a electric pizza trucks, mm-hmm. I guess is the answer. 659 here on Talk Radio 790 KABC. You're all in for Doug. Stay with us. Is McIntyre in the morning with Doug McIntyre, Leanne Tweeden News, Randy Wang Sports, and Bill Thomas Traffic. Seven oh six, the time. Talk radio seven ninety K A B C. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Happy Fourth of July to you all. Hey, you are a winner if you call one hour from now, exactly one hour from now, 1-800-222-KABC to win the Port of Los Angeles Lobster Fest Food and Music Weekend, a four-pack of tickets. That's July 14, 15, and 16 on the waterfront in San Pedro. It's a four-pack the Port of L.A. Lobster Fest Food and Music Weekend. One hour from now, 1-800-222-KABC. So... Rob Marenko, the feud between Trump and the uh, president, I mean, uh, and and the media, it's just amazing. Have you ever seen anything like this total breakdown of relations between uh, the chief executive and uh, and the media? Not quite, no. Oh, it's stunning. (laughs) Of course, we didn't live in the in the Twitter era before. Yeah, Uh, it's it's a remarkable. Hey, we've got Joe Concha, the Hills media reporter, to help explain it to us. Uh, Joe, welcome to KBC. How are you? Happy July Fourth, gentlemen, from the Jersey Shore. Same to you. You are on the Jersey Shore. You're not in the hot dog eating contest today. Well, people confuse me with Joey Chestnut sometimes, but I'm Joey Koch. Same initials. Well, that's right. That's right. Well, they're having fun up there at uh, Coney Island. As long as Chris Christie isn't taking up all your sunshine there. You know, you don't want to sit in his channel. He wasn't getting sun. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no sun. That's right. He had a cap on. You want to talk about losing, like, the optics award of the year. It's only July. I mean, the the overhead shots uh, just for just so... He's at fifteen percent approval here. In Jersey. Yeah, well, that that's what so you know. Out the clock. That's just it. The guy who got himself into the fifteen percent range, the worst of any governor in the nation. I guess it's not a shock that he would do this. Rob Marinko and I were just trying to figure out if if this is unprecedented, the deterioration uh, in relationships between the president and and the media. And I mean, no, Lyndon Johnson was so controversial with the war. Obviously, Richard Nixon was forced to resign, and the Watergate and the Washington Post. But this. Uh, uh, Joe Concha, this seems like it's reaching a whole new level between the press and Trump. Well, of course, because on an impulse, the president can tweet out to 100 million people. But that's his followers on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these other social media accounts that he has uh, whenever he feels the urge to. And he's obviously a voracious 
a consumer of cable news. Uh, he likes to hate watch himself, which is probably why he comments on CNN and MSNBC so much, considering how negative their coverage is of him. A Harvard study showed that CNN, for instance, covers the Trump administration negatively 93% of the time, which you, when you think about it, every 100 stories or segments you see on CNN, only seven are positive. It's remarkable. Right. So uh, he has no impulse control. Uh, Twitter allows him to have a megaphone. And the bottom line is that his supporters absolutely love it. I mean, anytime I say he's tweeting too much or it's hurting his agenda or it's stepping on his narratives, I get killed on Twitter by, by Trump followers saying, hey, we love what he's doing. Shut up. Okay. Really? Well, yes. you, you mentioned cable. I saw a really weird uh, headline. I didn't read the whole story, so I don't know what's behind it. Allegedly, Trump spends five hours a day watching cable TV. Now, can that be true? I, I know the statistics about, you know, children. How many hours are they in front of TV? Oh, what a scandal. It's seven hours a day over the last many decades. Does the president actually sit there staring at a bank of cable TV screens five hours a day? Let, let, me, let me guess. That came from the most popular guy in Washington right now, Mr. Unnamed Source, right? You're right. I don't know if, uh, what the source is or, or, or the reliability. You mentioned the tweets, Joe Concha. It seems like the... The, the fact that the press dutifully reports his tweets, that is what really gets the word out. I mean, I, it's one thing to, you know, to five or ten million people in your base. You know, they love you anyway. It's not going to really move things. But it's part of the news cycle is what Donald Trump has tweeted. I mean, it seems like that is causing the big splash. Yeah, I like seventy one percent of uh, people in a Fox News poll recently said that they think that his tweets are hurting his uh, agenda. In other words, like th this week alone, he, he had a pretty good week from a legislative perspective. Uh, the travel ban that we heard so much about right. back in January that was horribly implemented. Well, that, that got implemented, right? And that, that's a victory. Or he got, I got this sugar deal with Mexico, and the whole narrative during the campaign was Mexico was never going to speak to us. There's going to be a trade war. And now he's making deals with them. And you never hear about him because everybody wants to cover the shiny object, which is the tweet about Mika Brzezinski, the tweet with him wrestling CNN to the ground. And by the way, CNN saying that he's inciting violence against the network. It, 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 lighten up, guys. That, that, that is an absolute joke. <laughs> he's wrestling a logo. <laughs> no one's going to run out and start hurting CNN reporters as a result. They don't know how to respond to him either. They try to out-Trump Trump with their responses saying the president is juvenile. He should be doing his job and concentrating on this. Just just say we, we're, we're above this and we're not even going to comment on it. But they, they play into his hands by responding the way they do. And then even their media reporter uh, contacted Twitter to see if that was a violation of Twitter hateful conduct rules. I mean, come on. <laughs> we, we, you can't overreact to him because it only plays into his hands that you truly are the opposition party uh, as, as a media. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like it personally. I get that he should tweet. I don't mind when he tweets and he fights back sometimes. But uh, again, he just I think something like 10 of his last 16 tweets were about the media. I mean, there's got to be other things on his plate that he could be tweeting about. He, so he that's, should be. That's all he, I'm saying. He should be more careful, Joe. He should maybe do an interview with uh, Glozell. Wasn't that the woman <laughs> in the bathtub with cereal and milk? The Fruit Loops. Yeah, fruit yeah. Loops, exactly. Fruit, isn't that more classy? I mean, you don't want to denigrate the Office of Presidency, so. We're, we're talking with Joe Concha, the Hills media reporter. You know, I, you raise a good point, Joe. I think the media bears some responsibility for the antagonism between the press and the president. I mean, some outlets like the LA times have abandoned all pretense when it comes to objectivity i was reading a story they had on the front page the other day
day, and they start out not with the facts, you know, who, what, where, when, why. They started out with, it was like an essay. Well, there are international crises abroad, and people are dying, and, you know, nuclear bombs, and there's a crisis in healthcare. And what is the president doing? He's tweeting insults about people bleeding from the face. So it was like just an absolute attack, and it's fine on the editorial page, but this was like the lead story on the front page. Yeah, don't do that on the front page. People don't like being told how to think. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that Donald Trump, given all his successes uh, in life, uh, can multitask. It takes about, what, 10 seconds to send out a tweet? So it's not like that's all he's doing. He just does it on impulse and maybe gets back to doing something else. But, I mean, even, like, Mika Brzezinski somehow this week was lionized. She was turned into a martyr. This poor girl was just like Katie Couric in the 90s, was just doing a little morning show, and Trump attacked her out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, the, the insult trolled on that show. Nothing to do with policy or strategy or messaging. They said just a couple weeks ago that the president looked like a kid who was pooping in his pants. They've called him to question his mental state, even though at last check, Meek and Joe are not psychologists. Uh, they say that he's a fake president, and it's all personal. And then when he fights back personally as well, oh, my God, he's the rhetoric is horrible. Well, you're responsible for that rhetoric as well. So, yeah, it, this is this is equal um, equal responsibility or no question the, the, the media has been incredibly antagonistic and that that's how trump fights back and he's not going to change and anybody's calling for him to stop tweeting it just ain't going to happen whether you like it or not it's just who he is so what do you think about the job um uh, huckabee's daughter is doing as spokesman i guess people are talking about her maybe just uh, just sort of being the permanent replacement for sean spicer she she certainly doesn't back down when defending the guy yeah it's it's better to have maybe a woman up there uh for just because the, she doesn't seem quite to be as attacked, even though there was a reporter from what Playboy last week that did a whole speech on, oh, we're just trying to do our jobs and you're insulting us. Well, again, shared responsibility. But, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody else wants that job, <laughs> quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I know you couldn't pay me seven figures and I wouldn't take it. Uh, under any president, uh, you have to defend all the time. And with, with Trump, he's like a quarterback out in front of this offensive line. You guys have two sports teams there now, but football teams against, so I could use that analogy. Oh, but, uh, my <laughs> one and a half, right? Yeah, it's one place in the stadium holds like 20 people, but uh, that's fine. But the point is that uh, it would to be a spokesperson for Trump, I mean, just when you've got to defend tweets that you may not even have seen, he's probably sending them out while you're doing your press briefing. Uh, she's fine with it. And I have no problem with cameras, by the way, being taken out either, because Mike McCurry, who is the Democratic press secretary under Bill Clinton, he's the one who put him in. And you ask him now, he says it was the worst idea I ever had. All it led to was both sides being theatrical, like the Jim Acostas of the world, just so they could go viral, draw attention to themselves. You can still do your job, ask your questions. You can still record it. You can embargo it, show whatever you want, but cameras should not be in there live because it only leads to the type of crap that we've been seeing over the last five months from reporters. We're talking to The Hill's media reporter, Joe Concha, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the staff. I, I mean, the video with the CNN logo on a guy's head, I mean, that's not something you can just tweet out on a whim. That, that requires a little post-production. So, you know, people probably knew about that. But as to most of the tweets, uh, do we have any sense as to whether he's just absolutely doing it on his own? Is there any filter? Does he sit down and chat with senior staff and say, okay, here's my tweet plan today? I, it, it, you laugh. I, I guess that's the answer to my question. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys were single during the uh, era of uh, texting, but I was. And I, I sometimes did this thing called TWI, which is tweeting while impaired. Uh, <laughs> primarily the ex-girlfriends or ones that were about to be there. And the way I got out of that situation was I would stare at the screen for 20 seconds of whatever I was about to send. I would think of the worst case scenario of what would happen if I did send it. And most of the time I was able to talk myself out from sending it. Uh, no, I don't think he, he consults with anybody. I'm sure some people in his inner circle, like uh, Dan Shavino, who is his uh, 
social media director. He probably passes along a couple of things from time to time. But I think Trump just, when he's just sitting around waiting for his next meeting or he's traveling somewhere, he's like everybody else. He's on his phone scrolling through Twitter. And when he sees something he doesn't like or he's watching cable TV and he sees something he doesn't like, he just says, he just writes what he wants to write and there is no filter. I mean, I honestly think this is 95% Donald Trump doing this and nobody else. Well, to answer your question, I, I can't speak for Rob here, but to answer your question, Joe, I was single during the Korean War. And so there, we had these Western <laughs> Union. I don't know if you remember telegrams at the Western Union outfits uh, down Union Station. And you would, you know, I had to learn the tapping out the code and so on. And halfway through, sometimes if I'd been drinking, I'd stop. But uh, so mm -hmm. it's different now. Um, yeah, it is different. You know, I mean, now by the time the telegram actually gets to the uh, girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, she's probably married at that point. So it's not going to matter. Well, try using a campfire and a blanket for smoke signals. That's uh, that slows you down. That's a, that's another option. Well, what do you make of the, uh, the the travel ban situation, Joe Concha? You think that was a, a big big comeback for Trump? I mean, it, it's sort of a good sign that his appointee Gorsuch, who's hailed as the big victory so far in the in the administration, uh, he's pre pretty conservative guy. I mean, he's a replacement for Scalia, all right. And uh, and it sounds like for them to allow a good chunk of the travel ban to persist, uh, it sounds like good times are ahead in terms of uh, the judicial reaction uh, to the Trump administration's activities. It was the most underreported story so far this year was the Gorsuch uh, nomination and obviously his confirmation. Uh, we, we, we heard a lot more about Jim Comey and his testimony than we ever would about Neil Gorsuch. And that, that kind of just happened and people wrote it off uh, as something because, remember, they... Uh, they didn't have to uh, overcome the filibuster. They just did it by a straight up, you know, Senate vote majority, right? So, um, yeah, now we're seeing that that's affecting uh, Trump's ability to push his agenda forward. So that that's that's a very big deal. And obviously, you remember January? Remember, remember like the the wall to wall coverage for days and even weeks about this travel ban and, and the airport pro protests and everything. Right. Now it passes. I don't hear a thing about it. <laughs> remarkable and part of that is yeah maybe they're covering the tweets and that's part of it's the the media doesn't want to report on anything positive when it comes to this administration because uh, i honestly think that there's a uh, peer pressure uh that if you do write anything or say anything positive about trump that other people within our little media bubble will let you hear about it like what are you doing giving this guy any credit you know that you know the drill you know what our assignment is right so right it's yeah. amazing how, how little we've heard about this travel ban thing you know, past even if it's a watered down version I, I think one of the more underreported stories is the fact that uh, uh, justice kennedy he keeps telling his clerks he's thinking about hanging him up. And uh, this isn't, I don't think, getting the coverage it deserves, but he's talking about... Yeah, there within, was a flurry a couple yeah, of days. A couple were, of days. Yeah, we're, we're all a Twitter about it, so to speak. So, Joe Contra, well, let me run a theory by you, see what you think. So, Trump says, we got to get rid of, of Mueller. I mean, there's a bromance between Mueller and Comey. This is simply not fair, but I can't just fire him because, you know, Saturday Night Massacre. So, here's the deal. I get rid of Sessions because, you know, he had to accuse himself because of Russia. I replace Sessions with an attorney general who doesn't have that baggage. Now that a non-recused attorney general is in, well, we don't really need the special counsel, and so we'll fire him because of the bromance with Comey, and we'll keep the investigation going, and maybe we'll even appoint another special counsel, but we're going to kind of unwind things. Do you think all that would fly? Wow. I never heard that. No, I just made it up Hopefully. this morning, Joe. That's <laughs> why you done. never heard it. Hopefully Trump is uh, somehow uh, listening to Los Angeles radio wherever he's in Washington, actually, for, for that and, and got that idea because that's genius. Well, I, thank I'm you. I'm 100% on board with that. That's totally <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, he's... Would he ever get somebody that really didn't have any baggage in, in the eyes of his opponents?
they, they, they find something. There's always something. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it. Uh, the the appointment of that special counsel, he's got to be just kicking himself. He's got to be furious with Sessions for recusing himself, which he did basically just because he was affiliated with the campaign. And then he's got to be furious with Rod Rosenstein for appointing a guy who is a real big buddy uh, of Comey's. Uh, you know, if there's no there there, if there are no smoking guns, then it'll you know, it'll go away. You know, the special prosecutor will take a couple of guys down. They always do. They have to have scalps to justify you know, all the lease money and so on. But uh, if there's anything, uh, if there's anything to be uh, form the basis of serious prosecution, I mean, Trump is just absolutely uh, got to be furious with the people who allowed Mueller to to get into that office. Particularly when you see the video from this morning, they they have Mueller. You know, taking a jog early in the morning, and the, the paparazzi's following him, and he's wearing a T-shirt that says "I'm a Comey homie." I'm like, wait a minute, that's <laughs> not a <laughs> no, that's no, not true. No, that, that's just that's, <laughs> that's just wrong. <laughs> no, the hey. FBI though, there are FBI agents wearing that that very T-shirt. That, that is true. We really? Report on that on the Hill, yeah, yeah. So, but who cares? All right, Joe Concha, the Hills Media Reporter. Thank you so much for sharing part of your holiday with us. You have a great Fourth. Go watch Independence Day, guys. Go home and it never gets old. It's a deal. Take care. Bye-bye. You know, my only regret about our interview, uh, Rob Marinko, with Joe Concha there, is that he didn't give us the report on the hurricane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because, I didn't see that coming. Uh, down I, in, he's got to be in Florida. I was looking at the weather report something. Where is there a yeah, hurricane now? Exactly. I... Randy actually caught, uh, he taped some of the sound. Yeah. That guy was really in a wind tunnel. I mean, what was the deal? We really, as a newsman, Rob, you should have asked him for an on, on the spot report. My so mistake. He, he reports on the media, so he's around a lot of hot air. <laughs> That's right. The gas bag, as Doug says. So I guess we should have had. Uh, who, who's that guy on Fox News who hangs out in Florida with the long hair? Um, I've forgotten his name. Oh, yeah. I know but he's always yeah. being knocked over by a yeah. hurricane or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, all of the, the antagonism uh, against Trump, I'm wondering. If if he's really as weakened as he seems like he might be, I know his base still loves him, but it seems like the the middle, you know, it's it's probably eroding. And, and the thing that's saving him is that American support for other institutions like the media and Congress that's in the toilet too. But I wonder if we could be thinking, seeing a serious challenge to Trump by somebody inside his party. I mean, when you look back at history, it hasn't happened lately. But LBJ, he was so weakened, he just quit. And so, you know, that was all. Well, you know, you take that off the the possibility list of of Trump. Oh, yeah. So he's not going to quit. But you remember uh, Carter was was in such bad shape. Ted Kennedy seriously uh, took a run. He almost beat him in 1980. And Gerald Ford, when he was so weakened by pardoning Nixon, Ronald Reagan almost knocked him off as the sitting president asking for his party's nomination. I wonder if that's what we're looking at. We have thinking, oh, all the Democrats, Garcetti and the rest of them, they got their packs going. They want to be president. We could have our same 16 people that Trump beat trying to coalesce some support around them. If you're ready to take some money on that, I, I will bet that Trump uh, will not only run, but he'll win again. I, I think we had the same discussion about a year and a half ago about Trump because he was saying some nutty stuff during right. the debates and all that. And it just, he just rises above it. What do you think, Bobby Jindal's got another shot? <laughs> yeah, I don't see anybody Probably not Bobby Jindal, but that Carly Fiorina, my goodness, yeah, no, I just see not, her going not gonna all happen. the way. No. Not gonna, is that a sexist remark out of Rob Marenko? I, I, Carly could be a guy. Miss Petri, I'm the lovely Mary Tyler Moore, 724 The Time, Talk Radio 790, KABC, the lovely Bill Thomas on traffic. We just raise the bar.
Time Talk Radio 790-KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this 4th of July. So, Rob Mariko, big... Uh, Big movement to uh, get rid of our president, uh, yeah. impeachment, you know, uh, uh-huh. Brad Sherman, the congressman from the Valley, he's yeah. he's the point guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he drafted the articles of impeachment. Good it's all him. about obstruction That's of justice. Nice. Well, um, no, he's, he's actually saying, and I don't understand this point at all, that he became president to make money off of it. Hmm. The billionaire. Yeah, I guess that's part of his argument. I thought his main deal was obstruction, the idea that, oh, I wanted to stop the Russian investigation. That's why I fired the guy. I, I guess there, there are different aspects to, to Brad's approach. I'm just concerned about Brad because you know how the president's gone after Mika and with the facelift and the bleeding and so on? Right. We may see Rogaine tweets about Brad Sherman. The failing, balding Brad Sherman. <laughs> Sherman well, Oaks are the worst uh, Oaks. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if he's going to go after him like that, but but there's not that that's not the only thing. Uh, it's in addition to impeachment. There's the Twenty Fifth Amendment. So here's what the Democrats are up to. Uh, the Twenty Fifth Amendment is the way to to get rid of a president if he's just unable to do his job physically or mentally. So. Uh, according to a Democrat a congressman in Florida, Darren Soto, given Trump's continued erratic and baffling behavior, is there any wonder why we need to pursue this legislation? And he's talking about a law that would create an oversight commission on presidential capacity to uh, to look into uh, whether, you know, he's mentally and physically doing OK. And, of course, the precedent is under the 25th Amendment. Several times we've had uh, uh, we've had the president uh, hand over power to the vice president, uh, Ronald Reagan, and uh, and also uh, uh, one other president, uh, George W. Bush, had uh, colonoscopies. They had uh, uh, precancerous lesions removed from their colon, and the vice presidents technically take over. Uh, so you know there there's the precedent, mm-hmm. and so maybe this is an overreaction, though. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps people are overreaching. You know, the Republicans paid the price when they went after Clinton in the 90s and insisted on the impeachment. They ended up getting slammed by the electorate. And the surveys indicate, you know, Trump's popularity isn't exactly going through the roof, but the ratings of Congress and the media are even lower. So I got to think that maybe there there's a, there's a distinct chance that this is going to backfire. And I kind of doubt. I mean... Talk about a futile effort. You remember how the Republicans tried to uh, repeal Obamacare 75 times when they knew they had absolutely no chance because President Obama uh, was poised there with his veto pen? Why do the Democrats think that they're going to be able to get this Oversight Commission on Presidential Capacity passed when Republicans control both houses of Congress? I I could see one argument, and that is you go back to the colonoscopy thing, Mm -hmm. that they're going to have to, to have him under so long, Trump, because the doctor's going to have to search for the Russians. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Just you saying. Know, you know, I often remove the colon because you can just use a period instead. Uh, nothing like a good grammar joke. Really, Royal Oaks? Nothing like a really? good grammar joke. Now, do the Democrats know what they're bargaining for with all this impeachment talk or getting Trump out of office under mental capacity? Because it's not like the whole administration goes. You put Mike Pence in charge, who, if you're a Democrat, is a hard, firm believer in everything you're against, and he's competent, and he would have the House and the Senate. So if you want no abortion and no gay rights and any of that stuff, go ahead, put Pence there. That's why I thought Trump was brilliant in putting Mike Pence in as his vice president. It's impeachment insurance. Sort of like Spiro Agnew was impeachment insurance for Richard Nixon. No, you're right. I think the Democrats are in a short-term gain, and they could be facing some long-term pain. Seven fifty-two. The time. Talk radio. Seven ninety K A B C. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. When we return, dogs on cocaine. You what? don't want to miss these stories. Stay with us. 
<sighs> what time is it? Time to get smart. It's McIntyre in the morning with Doug McIntyre, Leanne Tweeden News, Randy Wang Sports, and Bill Thomas Traffic. Eight oh seven. The time. Talk radio. Seven ninety. K A B C. Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre. Happy Fourth of July to you all. And without further ado, let us bring on to the air our friend Jim Murray, chief correspondent for Inside Edition. Jim, how are you? I'm great. We spend all these holidays together. Don't you ever spend time with your family? No, no, no. This is family time's overrated. You know, this this is so swell. So you know, Jim Murray, uh, you're too young to remember uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, no, I'm not. But Rob, Rob, and I, uh, the Time Tunnel and the Beverly Hillbillies were were my favorite shows. But but Jim doesn't remember that. He's Probably just, not. He's he's too young to know those shows. <laughs> hey, Jim Murray is author of The Last Day of My Life, uh, a fabulous memoir, and uh, you know. No, it actually would be a great Fourth of July gift. Uh, you could go on Amazon. They get a little drone and drop it in your front yard. The last day of my life by great drone, a drone impression. Yeah, well, thank you. I've been kind of working. Yeah. I've been working on the drone impression. So, Jim, uh, it's so nice to spend part of the, the holiday with you. Um, I, I know you've been working on a very serious story, a road rage story. Before we get to that, I, I just wanted your take on the whole Chris Christie uh, craziness. I mean. Talk about being tone deaf. I mean, the whole state is kept away from the beaches, and he gets out there with his family, and you know they capture the images with the with the airplane. It, it seems like he's just really earned his his rep as the lowest rated governor I in the nation. I'm wondering if maybe a one on one with Jim Murray to explain himself. Uh, oh, I, I would love that because you know I'll tell you it was interesting. At his press conference, he seemed tone deaf to any questions about what he was doing. And, and yeah, he, he was angry. He was furious. He was angry. And 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 I love when he said he didn't get any sun, and then his aide said, <laughs> "Well, that's because he was he was wearing a hat." <laughs> and in his defense, I saw the video. He was wearing a hat. He was wearing a hat. A little bit. He, he was wearing really shorts, so he did get sun. <laughs> Yeah, somebody should talk to him about exposing too much should've, flesh. Should have wore a big sombrero as we should have been. Yeah, something like that. We're talking with Jim Murray, Chief Correspondent of Inside Edition. And Jim, this uh, rage, uh, road rage story I mentioned, I, I read about it the other day, and I just couldn't believe it. I mean, this Pennsylvania man, David Desper, age 28, yeah. uh, w walk us through this. I mean, it's just amazing that, that people are, are so horrible and ir irresponsible. What, what are the facts? Well, imagine two cars trying to enter a freeway on-ramp when, when the lanes merge, right? Rush hour traffic, crowded. The two cars are jockeying for position. The, the young girl, the 18-year-old, who just graduated from high school and was, was looking forward to going to college in Jacksonville in the fall, she, she's trying to, to merge. The guy in the red uh, Silverado pickup truck pulls out a gun, allegedly shoots her in the head. She then swerves into him, hits him, and then goes off the road into a ditch. He takes off like a bat out of hell. And and it, it, what they find after after he turns himself in finally on Sunday, uh, the girl's dead. Uh, I mean, horrific. We talked to her mom, her brother. I, you know... I have a I have a son who's who's still learning how to drive and and every time we go out I look at it as as an object lesson I say listen 
You don't have to get places first. You just have to get there. Don't worry. People are crazy these days. And, and, and the guy uh, had, a, had a permit to carry this gun. He bought it three years ago legally. But you can see what happens when people get angry and they have that weapon close at hand. This guy shot her with a forty caliber semi-automatic handgun. Allegedly, I say, because he's turned himself in. Uh, no, no bail right now, and he's he's awaiting, obviously, uh, looking at a long time with trial and so forth. But it, it's horrific, and uh, it, you just can't even make sense out of these stories. It's it's simply hard to imagine. Wow, Jim Murray, when you say you talk to the mother and the brother, those conversations, and I know, I know you've done this kind of thing so many times over the years, but they have to be so tough. But here. So utterly senseless. I, I, if that must that must really be tough for them to talk about how they feel about their young, you know, the daughter just her life being snuffed out, as you say, just on the brink of going to college. I read in one one story she was out shopping for clothes with her family members. Just just amazing. You know, I have to tell you one thing. One thing I love about Inside Edition, we cover a lot of wacky stories. We also cover a lot of serious stories, and and it gives you a, a real perspective on life when you talk to to survivors, to victims, to family members of various tragedies, some crimes, some natural disasters, and and it really puts everything in perspective. And and you know. You often you often see people crying, and we don't try to make anybody cry. I don't. I, I hate making anybody feel uncomfortable. I, I simply try to do in an interview what what anybody would try to do. You want you want to make them feel like they get to say what they want to say because you know family members who've lost somebody they they want people to remember that victim. They want people to remember the the son, the daughter, the brother, the sister that they lost, not just focus on on the suspect because we always mention the suspect's name and and the victim's family say remember the person who we lost. And this was an 18-year-old girl who her whole life was ahead of her. She just graduated from high school and, and you can see in the photos of her. I mean, you know, beautiful smile and 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 18. I mean, think about what life was like when you were 18. You think you're invincible and and then Something like this happens, and it's it's crushing. We're talking with Jim Murray, Inside Edition chief correspondent. Jim, to me, this is a big argument for, I don't know, increased psychiatric treatment, anger management classes, some sort of filter to make sure people don't get uh, driver's licenses. I mean, how does a guy get so twisted that because of a little kerfuffle on the road about jockeying for position, it causes him to snuff out somebody's life? It's just inexplicable. Well, what's so curious about this particular man is that, that his friends say that he's, he was calm and cool, never experienced any, any rage whatsoever. They were, he and a friend were working on a car a few weeks ago, and, and a window blew off, and, and he said, ah, let's go try to find the window. And they went, they turned the car around to look for the window that blew off, and, you know, he was calm and cool, and, and police do not believe that this was a hate or a race crime because the young girl was African-American, the man was white. Uh, they simply think it was a road rage. I don't know what sets people off. I know that when you get behind the wheel, people have a much shorter fuse. Uh, you know, I've experienced it. Everyone has. But but you, you pull back, and, and you, you have to constantly remember what, what we, we told people in a report last week. Do not go home. If you see that you're involved in a road rage, road rage incident and you're fearful, if, if you can, pull off in an area 
hopefully where there's a police station, if you know of one nearby, or, or an area where it, there are a lot of people. But do not go home because you do not want that individual to know where you live. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, switching gears, but kind of sticking with the anger topic, I'm wondering what your take is on the whole uh, Mika Brzezinski uh, uh, tweet feud with the president. I, I mean, this this was pretty over the top for, for the president to talk about, you know, bleeding from the facelift. Uh, and, and it's just, it's sort of ratcheted up the feud to the point, well, for one thing, I guess it's helping MSNBC. Their numbers are going through the roof. They've never been doing so well. Do you think that this is by design for, for President Trump? Or do you think that when he sees this tsunami of negative reaction uh, to, to what he's done tweet-wise, that he says, whoops, I guess I, I, I crossed the line? It's hard for me to know whether it's part of the plan or not. Well, I don't think he ever feels he crosses the line. Do you? Honestly, I mean, I, over the weekend we saw the video where the CNN logo was put over somebody's face, and now the the, the White House says they the president did not get that from a Reddit where a right wing alt right blogger had claimed credit for it. But Vox is reporting that that's exactly where the president got it from, which is even more disturbing because what happens is, you, you know, these are official White House records. These tweets, and and it's not enough to say, well, the president is only joking when he talks about this one video, or or he's simply venting, or he's pushing back. You know, the fact that there are people out there who will look at this as permission to use violence as an alternative, and, and I think that's a bad example when you're talking about the leader of the free world. It's very unpresidential, I think, undignified and beneath the office of the president, but unfortunately it's not beneath our president. Well, when you say, raise the question of whether he ever crosses the line or realizes he's crossed the line, that is, I guess I see him as a pragmatist. I mean, he's a smart guy who can read polls. Now, you can argue that he's sort of obsession, uh, he has, has an obsession with things, but, but if he realizes, after looking back on a tweet or an exchange or an incident or a week or two, whoops, I just dropped six or seven points in the, in the polls, the nation has turned against me, I would think being a pragmatist, he would say, okay, I realize I crossed the line and then maybe try to correct it in the future. I, I don't see a whole lot of uh, corrective action on his part, but, I mean, for him not to understand when there is a, a, a general negativity about a certain kind of conduct, that seems very strange. I think it depends on who, where the negativity is coming from. His poll numbers are fairly consistent, you know, in the mid mid to high thirties, approaching forty, uh, and his base seems to be passionate and devoted. No, you're you're absolutely right there. You know, you know, we got a little break up on the phone, Jim, so we're gonna we're gonna have to have to say goodbye at this point. But thank you so much for joining us on this holiday. Appreciate it. Have have a wonderful fourth. You take, take care, Jim. 817 The Time, Talk Radio 790-KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. So a big story out of Staten Island, uh, Rob Marinko, um, involving um, fire department coming to, uh, to the rescue of, of a gentleman. Um, and it's led to a lawsuit. And so you actually going to get to uh, get to weigh in on whether you think this is a legitimate lawsuit. Okay. Uh, he... Uh, he, he just fell out of a of an ambulance and right on the concrete. Horrible facial injuries. Uh -huh. uh, and now he's suing uh, the city, suing the fire department. So uh, 
just just based on that, do you think maybe he'd have a, a case against? Oh, a, sure. Yeah. Well, 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 should close the door of the ambulance, right? Well, let's add a few facts, though, okay. because I want you to have the full, right. full factual right. picture. So, Fair enough. Um, he admits he was loaded up on cognac and wine um, after having some family issues a okay. few weeks ago. He's a 54-year-old Yao Jenny Kralken. Uh, he had a few cocktails at home before taking a bus to a hookah lounge where he downed more booze, according to his lawyer, who mm-hmm. acknowledges this. So he somehow gets back to his own neighborhood where somebody calls for an ambulance. Well, you know, I'm not sure why, but I guess they felt that he was in some sort of distress. I would imagine he's probably a little unstable. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, maybe can't walk straight. Yeah, exactly right. So the Clumsy. Uh, the uh, EMTs show up and he's sitting on the ground. He's uninjured. Uh, the, the court papers say he had an unsteady gait. Now, I don't know how you have a gait of any kind if you're sitting on the ground, but let's set that aside All for right. a moment. Okay, so he's a long-haul trucker. He's so uncooperative, the cops had to load him into the ambulance uh, using a little bit of force, and he's not happy to be there. So he's driving along in the ambulance. They're taking him to the hospital. On the way, he unbuckles the straps on his stretcher, he opens the door of his ambulance, and he jumps out of the moving ambulance, landing on the concrete of Richmond Avenue, where he was found unconscious. I guess he can't cause any more trouble now that he's unconscious. Yeah. So um, now, Rob Marinko, do you do you want to maybe change your vote? And if you were well, on the jury, uh, do you, uh, you still think you want to give this guy a million dollars? Was there an attendant? Was an was a firefighter with him or an ambulance attendant with him in the back? As all there right, is? technically speaking, there was an EMT sitting in the back. I, I with think him. part of their job might be to monitor their safety and their health and their. I believe he was eating a baby Ruth and playing World of Warcraft in the corner of uh, of the ambulance. Ambulance. Okay. So maybe there's a little bit of fault. One percent. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, so the lawyer says you're you're right. You're 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 on to this. The lawyer says they failed to take care of him. He was in no state to have any motor skills or make any decisions like take the strap off, get off of the gurney, open the door. Oh, he had motor skills. Yeah, out. you <laughs> just described it. He got his seatbelt off and he got mm-hmm. the door open. That's right. He is suing the city, the fire department of New York, and the EMTs for. Uh, brain fractures and a wait brain- a minute. What do you mean brain fracture? You can't fracture your brain. Well, you talk to his lawyer. He's had a, a- <laughs> kind of lawyer is that? <laughs> kind of lawyer who's going to make one third of a whole lot of money. He had a brain bleed. Okay. It doesn't sound like he had too much brain to bleed. Uh, do you think? <laughs> I mean, it might have well, been. I was bleeding cognac. It yeah. was bleeding anything. <laughs> it might might have been a little pickled, uh, but anyway, it's yeah. it, you know to me this is a, this is a slam dunk. I I vote for uh, the first responders. I vote for the ambulance folks. Uh, so if you and I are on the on the jury, we're going to have to arm wrestle to see who gets to be the foreman. It's, what do they call that in in, the, in your profession uh, as a lawyer when it's. Uh, Something's on the line could go either way. What's that called? We wobbler. call that a wobbler. A yes. wobbler. Well, yeah, this is a wobbler. Yeah, a civil wobbler. A civil yeah, wobbler. Usually it's like, should it be a felony or a misdemeanor? Oh. Yeah. I don't think this is I, He was wobbling. I don't think this is a wobbler. <laughs> That's okay. just my personal opinion. All right. 822 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC, Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Stay with us. I'm a flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man I love mom and apple pie And the freedoms that we all enjoy Across this beautiful land 
920 at the time. Talk Radio 790 KAB0. Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this 4th of July. Hey, congratulations to Harriet from West Hills. She won the Jackie Vanco tickets. Redondo Beach Performing Arts Center, September 8th. Tickets furnished by Redondo Beach Performing Arts Center. So, Rob Marenko, we had a good uh, conversation there with Dr. Peter Grossman, head of the uh, Burn Center. Yeah, fascinating. I, I, I love to hear from, he, you know, he's got an amazing resume, and so does the center, obviously. Oh, yeah, it's tremendous that we've got that kind of facility here here in town. And it's great advice about, you know, staying safe and sane, but not everybody takes advice. We got this story no. out of Grand Blanc uh, Township, Michigan. Uh-oh. Is it Grand Blanc, do you think, or is it Grand Blanc? I don't know. Are you going to cuss? Is that what the blank is? No, it's B-L-A-N-C. Oh, it's like, uh, you know, gross point. Okay. Blank. Um, So, a Grand Blanc area garage was reduced to a pile of ashes this evening. Oh, no. Well, the homeowner, gosh, he had this beehive, and he Uh really thought he'd, uh, you know, save money. He didn't want to have to hire the pest guy, so he used fireworks to kill the bees in the garage. That didn't work out. Does not sound like he was a brain surgeon. Fireworks shot into the sky from the burning garage as crews from Grand Blanc, Grand Blanc, uh, Burton and Mundy Township arrived at the scene. No oh, one Burton was, and Mundy. Yeah. No oh, one. Okay. Oh, oh, I assume alcohol was involved in could this be, story. Could be. Could yeah. be. It was the, the Tri-County area. So nobody was injured, uh, fortunately. Thank God the fire was contained to the garage and a neighboring fence. He says, um, oh, it's depressing losing a place where we had a lot of fun, <laughs> but everybody's safe, and that's the main thing. I don't know. Do you have a lot of fun in the garage normally? Uh, no. I don't no, think so. Really. Maybe he, they just have a different notion mm. of fun. Okay. So anyway, kids, uh, word to the wise, let those bees be. Uh, don't try to blow them up with, uh, with sparklers. 9.30 the time, Talk Radio 790-KABC. Rob Marinko with... Doug McIntyre, happy 4th of July to you all. And what says 4th of July more than a good old-fashioned hot dog? We are joined by Isaac Wilker, Oscar Mayer hot dogger. Isaac, happy 4th of July. Thank you very much, Royal. I gotta say, I mean, Isaac, this has got to be a profit center for you here, 4th of July for <laughs> hot dogs. Is it, you can make, really your, make your whole nut for the year, yeah? Yes, that's true. No ifs, ands, or buns about it. <laughs> A wonderful way to celebrate the Fourth of July holiday. Nothing more American than I have to ask. Did you just make that up now, or is that part of the repertoire? Given your affiliation with Oscar Mayer, they really grill us, so to speak. Oh boy! <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we should move on and just change the topic. Hey, well, thank you for joining us, taking out part of your holiday with us. I mean, uh, gosh, hot dog! You probably know the answer to this. Is it mainly an American obsession, or is it just a big deal all over the world? It's a worldwide phenomenon. Everybody across the world. It's so much fun to hear about all the different toppings people put on their hot dogs. You know, you certainly have good old-fashioned ketchup and mustard, but we've heard everything. We've heard horseradish. We've heard mayonnaise, egg whites, everything in between. 
All right, so so the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, when I was a kid, it was a big deal around Los Angeles, out living on the valley, it would show up. And there was some, uh, who was the person who would drive it? He was a celebrity? Was it uh, a little guy? Um, you, little you were, Oscar. Little Oscar, okay. And That's so, right, yeah. yeah. He was personality, you know, he'd be, uh, you'd see him on TV and so on, the kids, kids would go nuts. As I understand it, Isaac Wilker of uh, of Oscar Mayer, you're expanding your wiener fleet rather substantially. Yes, yes. We're introducing our new and improved hot dogs, and what better way to get them into people's hands than by increasing our wiener fleet. The world-famous Wienermobile that you were talking about has been on the road since 1936. There are full, six full-size Wienermobiles today, and within the last few days, we've also introduced the Wiener Cycle and Wiener Drone. Uh, it's the first drone of its kind across the world to be able to deliver a hot dog. Now is this, is this drone in the shape of a wiener? It is. It's shaped just like the Wienermobile. Okay. And you can still get it off the ground. I'm impressed. We can. Yes. It has about a mile radius from wherever the operator is located and get up to about 1,500 feet in the air. Wow. Are you going to work out a deal with Amazon? Because I hear with Amazon connecting with Whole Foods, they're going to be delivering groceries by drone to your front yard. I guess you could uh, deliver some Oscar Mayer uh, hot dogs that way. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I mean, why else would you have a wiener drone in your fleet, right? You'd want to actually deliver the product. That's right. That's right. Well, we're just coming off a New York City tour. We had phenomenal success with that. It was a lot of fun. We had quite a few media agencies that we had worked with to show the new fleet. And uh, many of them had invited us into their offices. And we were able to actually demonstrate the drone inside. You know, that was certainly some tricky maneuvering, but it worked out very well. And everyone was very excited to see it in action. So I'm looking at a depiction of all of these amazing vehicles. You've got the traditional Wienermobile. You've got the Wiener Rover, which is uh, like one of these vehicles you'd see up on Mars, I guess. The Wiener Cycle, the Wiener Drone, and the Wiener Mini, which is kind of like a regular car with the giant wiener on top. Is that basically the concept? Yeah, that's a 2008 model, and it's actually on a Mini Cooper frame. Um, a bit of a, a speedy weenie. Certainly has to follow the speed limits, but it's very aerodynamic, and I can get around a little more quickly. Whoa, 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 wait a second. You said it's aerodogmatic. Is that what you said? <laughs> I did. Okay. All right. That's you, that's about enough. You out must of you, heard Mr. that before. Are you gonna Are you gonna go the driverless wiener route? Because nowadays, driverless cars is that's all the rage, right? Yes, up and coming. You know, Tesla and everything that's going on. Uh, but certainly, it's such a joy to be able to drive the wiener mobile. So that's not something we're looking into at this time. You know, it's certainly so much fun to be able to talk with people about the history of the Wienermobile and to be able to showcase all its features. And that's just not something you can have with a driverless car. I wonder if there was ever a race between the the Batmobile and the Wienermobile back in the <laughs> 60s when they were both really, really on top of the news. Hey, Isaac Wilker of Oscar Mayer, um, you said you got new and improved hot dogs. I, I, I hate to be a cynic. How do you improve uh, the hot dog after all these years? What have you done to it? Well, you have the same great taste before, and we actually made improvements across our lines. We have no added nitrates or nitrites, except those naturally occurring in celery juice, no byproducts and no artificial preservatives. The same great taste that you've come to love and enjoy, and the same great price that we've always gone for, and it's even better for you. Well, this is a, your special day, so congratulations to the Oscar Mayer folks, and everybody's going to have a, a bunch of hot dogs to celebrate, and uh, best of luck to you. Thanks for sharing part of your holiday with us. 
Thank you, sir. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Take care. Wow. He just uh, won't stop. Well, he's uh, he's very dogged. He He's <laughs> devoted to his uh, craft. Chef and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I enjoy chatting with a guy like that. Uh-huh. Uh, Royal Oaks in for <laughs> Doug McIntyre. When we come back, uh, we're going to sort out this whole North Korea missile test situation. Should you uh, be concerned, get into the bomb shelter uh, here on KBC. Radio 790-KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Happy 4th to you all. So North Korea is testing a missile. Uh, people are freaking out. Rob Marinko, you know, should I get into the bomb shelter and so on? I got I got a solution for anybody with anxiety over this. Well, good. Nothing is going to happen. This guy's never going to do anything, and here's why. All right. He's the head of a criminal enterprise. He's basically a gangster. He runs the whole country, total dictator. Billions of dollars at his disposable, ultimate, you know, creature comforts, luxury, liquor, women, whatever he wants. He's going to throw that away just to launch a, an attack on, you know, the Mojave Desert or San Francisco or whatever? No. He knows if he attacks us, he's dead. It's suicide. We blow him up. We incinerate him. His his country is leveled. You don't think Donald Trump would react that way? You see how he reacted to Mika Brzezinski? No. This guy is never going to do anything. So he can build up as many bombs as he wants. He just wants them as leverage. He wants to be able to be a player on the on the stage. But in terms of actually launching it, ending his life and his lap of luxury, forget about it. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm convinced I'm right, so I'm going to sell it. But it doesn't stop his folks from being excited. We have a little sound from the North Korean TV announcer. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, the, she's talking about the launch here. This is not a joke. This is actual sound from the anchor. You thought she was done. I did. Yeah. Well, well, she is done. We'll we'll cut her off here. So, actually, uh, that is North Korean. Uh, she was just getting to the good part. But it's the translation of Gangnam Style. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that that's what it is in North right. Korea, and it's 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 a, a pretty amazing. Hmm. So we got nothing to worry about that on on that front. But you say that, but you got to understand how delusional this guy is. He has his generals telling him because they're afraid that if he tells them that they're weak, that they're all going to get murdered. Right. That he has got the strongest army in the world. He's got the most powerful nation in the world. He's lied to by everybody under him about how great North Korea is. He thinks he could take on the world. He thinks they could take over and kill America. There could America. be some mental health issues involved. You may be right, but I'm just I'm just going to stick with my theory that we're all just fine. The guy ain't going to pull the trigger. Now, here's something where, guys, we may not be just fine. You know, uh, movie uh, lore about asteroids, uh, you know, bumping off America, it's a very rich lore. We've got uh, uh, Bruce Willis was the star of Armageddon, as yeah. I recall. Very good film. Fun movie. Uh, Deep Impact. Yeah, Randy was just telling me Morgan Freeman was the uh, star of that one. So that's the fiction. But here's the real deal. NASA has just started a plan to redirect the course of a small asteroid that is approaching Earth. So the press release issued by NASA says that asteroids hit Earth nearly every day. Most are pretty small. They burn up in the atmosphere. But what there could be very severe consequences if for the Earth if, if a big one hits, as we know from the movie. So 
what they've got is well, a, we know from the movie, but we kind of know from science. No, too, no, we just know. know it from the movie. Just Ron. the movie, okay? Yeah. So w there's this thing called <laughs> kinetic impactor technique. Well, of course. I think Rob, that was your dissertation. Was it was kinetic yeah, impactor. Very technique. proud of it. Yeah, the Marinko paradox and all mm -hmm. that. Anyway, so striking the asteroid to shift the orbit—that's the idea. We're going to strike it, shift the uh, orbit to defend against. Strike the it with what? Does it say? Well, I think they've got a, a missile. Uh, it, it's a test. They're going to send a missile up into uh, up into space. Wow. It's this kinetic impact technique, as you as you well know. Mm -hmm. It changes the speed of a threatening asteroid by a small fraction of its total velocity. But by doing it well before the predicted impact, this small nudge adds up over time to a big shift of the asteroid's path away from the Earth. So that's yeah. I think this is going to save us all. Because, okay, now you, you don't want to go with the fiction, Rob Marinko. What about reality? In 1908, a meteorite hit Russia's Tunguska River in a remote forest, leveling trees and knocking Russians over in a town 40 miles away. So that's what we're facing. If well, we look what happened a couple years ago in Russia. That big bright thing and everybody had their, their dashboard cameras on and, and you saw it coming down. It was They said it was the size of a bus. I missed that. Oh, come on. The meteor, it just destroyed thousands of uh, windows were knocked out. and I had and to let my LA Times subscription lapse. So, really? yeah, it was whatever, huge. Whatever, whatever happened. It was uh, exciting. So, What's anyway, it, it, if anybody's worried about North Korea, forget about it. He's All not right. going to do it. And if anybody's worried about this asteroid business, we're fine. We're fine. We got Morgan Freeman and Bruce Willis on our side. 953 The Time, Talk Radio 790, KABC.